the 411 Live. Where you can learn about issues that affect us every day. State of World 411 Live. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your girl. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 411 Live. Real people, real talk. I'm Beverly Taylor. For those of you who are new to our podcasts, um, we focus on human trafficking, specifically sex trafficking. We want to bring awareness to this issue and also help in the healing process for victims. Well, this is part two of our podcast uh, from our previous one. And this one we have titled Medical Help for the Survivor. Joining me again to talk about this is Dr. Angela Rabbit. She's the Associate Professor of Pediatrics at the Medical College of Wisconsin and part of the Child Advocacy and Protection Services. And also Dr. Wendy Irwin, or I should say Irman, is joining us once again, and we thank her. And um, Wendy, I especially thank you because I know that you had a medical, a dental issue, and she still showed up. So we are <laughs> thankful for that. She is also an associate professor of pediatrics and an adolescent medicine specialist. In part one, uh, which I hope that if you did not see it, you will go back and take a look at it because we talked about a lot of interesting things. But to highlight, we talked a lot about making healthcare professionals more aware of identifying and dealing with trafficked victims or survivors. We also talked to Dr. Ehrman, who deals a lot with the uh, kids in the juvenile detention center, and we talked about the things that she sees there. Well, today we're talking about a new program that's launching, and these people are pivotal in that project. And this one will deal more with adults. So let's just dive into it. I want to also mention that we really want you to participate in this conversation. So send us your comments and your questions and your suggestions because we value that. So let's just get started. First of all, let's talk about this new program. So HCAST, what does that stand for? What are we doing here? Uh, HCAST stands for Healthcare Collaborative Against Sex Trafficking. Okay. So this is a program, a uh, project that we've been working on for about a year and a half now. Uh, it started, it came out of our previous projects, uh, POSI, Proactive Outreach for the Health of Sexually Exploited Youth. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Uh, during that project, we developed a lot of um, resources for medical providers who were seeing victims who were minors. And also, as part of that project, we got a group of uh, healthcare professionals from different health systems in Milwaukee together to kind of advise us on the, the process for that project. Mm -hmm. One of the things that they told us is this, it's great that we have these resources now for youth, but we really need help with adults as well. So they were kind of left out. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that was kind of the start of it. Uh, we recognize that uh, healthcare providers in general don't always know what to do when they're seeing uh, victims or survivors, people who have been experiencing sex trafficking. And so we wanted to give them those tools. Uh, but before you can start working on that, I think you have to understand really what the problems and the barriers are. Mm -hmm. So that's what we've been doing for the past 
year and a half. So does this entail the focus groups? Yes. Yeah. We got a lot of interesting information out of the focus groups. I think the one of the main things that I took away from it is that people want to be respected. Mm. So they don't want to go into an emergency room or a medical care setting, whether it's a clinic or an urgent care, and have people look down on them or talk talk down to them or call them a prostitute. Um, they want to be treated with the same respect as everybody else. And that was a real clear theme that came through. Yeah. Wow. So these were focus groups. Uh, of people who had experienced Mm -hmm. trafficking. And we were specifically asking them about their experiences with healthcare, some of the challenges that they experienced and barriers, and then their suggestions for what could be done better. We also talked to community service agencies uh, who are working with clients and and trying to get them into healthcare settings to see what kind of barriers they were experiencing. Okay. So you guys are in the medical field. Mm -hmm. And these folks are telling you what you guys, what they're saying that's being done wrong. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Were you, what was your reaction? Were you shocked? Did you no. get some things that you didn't expect? No, I wasn't shocked because I think it's it's been a problem that's been overlooked or not looked at. And mm-hmm. um, it's been looked at more like uh they were doing something illegal. like they were a vi- not a victim, but instead they were the person that was doing something wrong. And I think there is a tendency to look down on them. I mean, we've seen attitudes change since we've started this. And even in the legal system now, um, youth are not supposed to be like if a youth has been involved in trafficking. We used to call them, like Angie said, juvenile prostitutes. And now even in the legal system, now they're looked at as victims or as we would look at them as survivors of sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. So then they don't have the legal consequences. Very good. Very good. Okay. So you talk to uh, people who uh, were sex trafficked. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you talk to community groups who deal with Mm -hmm. uh, victims and survivors of sex trafficking. Right. And got insight from them as well. Right. Who else did you talk to? Well, we took all of that information that we got and we brought it back to our group, HCAST. Mm-hmm. And HCAST is a group of um, medical providers and mental health care providers from all of the major health systems in Milwaukee and uh, the community health centers, the free and community clinic collaborative, mm-hmm. the FC3, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, some other organizations that frequently work with people who have been trafficked or are victims of sexual violence. So uh, we got that group together. We brought all of this information to them. And then together we came up with some plans for what we were going to do to address those barriers. So what are you going to do? Well, one of the things, uh, several things, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a very ambitious project. (laughs) Uh, One of the things we heard from survivors is that especially when they're just coming out of the life, healthcare is not the priority. They really, they're worried about where they're going to stay, shelter, food, just basic needs. Um, Those things have to be met before they can move on to address other things going on in their life, including health care. So, but but they're often presenting to medical providers because they are injured, Mm -hmm. because of substance abuse issues. Um, because they're brought in by law enforcement or or CPS for medical screens. And so it's really important for healthcare providers to have connections to community agencies so that they can help address some of those basic needs that are really just as important to that person's health right. as getting 
medical care at that moment. Yeah, those resources. Yeah. Right. So, but healthcare providers don't know about those resources. So one of the things that we're doing is working with the Human Trafficking Task Force of Greater Milwaukee to create a resource list of agencies in Milwaukee that are working specifically with or have programming for people who are trafficked. Are there many? There, I think, are more than you would expect. Mm-hmm. And there certainly are more than there were five years ago. Yeah. So, I, But identifying where, where they are uh, and which ones are specifically working with with victims and survivors is important. So we'll we'll gather those together. We want to really make sure we include survivors in all of this. So they'll help with a kind of identification and vetting of these resources. And then we are partnering with Impact 211 to uh, get those resources onto their, into their system. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. We also recognize and heard loud and clear that uh, healthcare providers need more education. And we talked about that a little bit, you know, everything from identification and screening and then what do you do, uh, that's important. Right. But also what's really important, and Wendy talked talked about this, is um, that survivors are reporting that when they go in for medical care, they often feel very judged. And that's really a barrier to seeking care. So... Uh, and accepting healthcare services. Mm. So education also needs to focus on the realities of sex trafficking, the coercion and the violence that these men and women are experiencing, and things that medical providers and staff can do to prevent more emotional trauma when they're coming in for for healthcare. Gotcha, gotcha. So that, um, you pointed to her when you were saying, more information about how they're treated when they go into see the the medical doctor is that because for some they're still looked at as a prostitute or yeah and and I we heard from um, some survivors too about stories about substance use in particular um, can be a real issue for many of these people. Um, addiction. We've heard stories of uh, people didn't want to go into the hospital when they needed to because they were afraid of going into withdrawal. Um, people were looked at, talked about being looked at as a drug addict when they were coming in for help and, you know, looking down on them. So Mm -hmm. um, dealing with addiction and substance use is also a really important part of this and also hooking people up and hooking them up when they're ready to get involved is really important too because one of the things we did here was that somebody might be ready to go into drug treatment, but if you can't provide the services right then when they're motivated – a day later, that you that moment may be gone. Yeah. You got to do it then when mm-hmm. they're ready. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And those services, yeah. um, they they do exist. Of course, we always need more. But uh, knowing how to access them yeah. is important. Gotcha. Gotcha. I hope yeah. you are hearing things that interest you in the, our conversation. And I welcome you to, um, or I should say, I encourage you to send your comments. Again, we really want to hear and see your suggestions and your comments and um, anything that you want to say or ask or feel free to do that. You're part of this conversation. You know, you're the the fourth person at the table. So don't forget that. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and continue our conversation. Stay with us. The 411 Live, your link to information. And now, here's your food for thought. Who's ever wanted to be a pimp? The sad truth is, 
pimp is not all money and glamour, there's a cost. The cost of young men and women you steal from their homes, screaming children you take from their mothers, selling them off to go make money just so you can spend, have you no shame. They are people, people you are forcing to do as you tell them, where to go and who to lay with. As you sit and count your money, it's so sweet to you. The thought never crosses your mind, what if that was my child, my son, my daughter. You don't stop and think about them to you. They're a product, waiting to be bought and rented. You care little for them. You risk prison, risk death, because of what? Money? You'd be killed for money. Shame, you'd go to prison. Give your life away for money, not me. I'd rather give it for my family, protecting my kids from you. Who wants to be a pimp? Knowing all you must give up for money, would you still say yes? For more information, visit the411live.org. Parents, it's time we opened our eyes to a huge issue happening right in front of our faces here in Milwaukee. That issue is sex trafficking. We might think this would never happen to us or even our friends and family, but it's actually closer than you think. Traffickers are targeting our youth and finding people who seem vulnerable. They do this just to take the innocence they have away from them. Sex trafficking is a non-stop growing issue in Milwaukee, and that's why we need to come together and get educated about sex trafficking. Let's keep our family, friends, and youth safe in Milwaukee and open our eyes to the signs of sex trafficking. For more information, visit the411live.org. Welcome back. We continue our conversation with Dr. Erman and Dr. Rabbit. We're talking about HCAST, a new program that's being rolled out, and it focuses a little more on adults. Also, children are included, but we've got this important element with adults. Because why? You said that this group was kind of under, you know, not really uh, addressed. Yeah, there had been, over the last few years, there's been a lot of of work to try to improve our response for youth. Uh, But what medical providers were saying is we also need some help for adults as well. So um, HCAST will be for both youth and adults. But while we're kind of getting things up and running, we're kind of focusing on responses for for adults to get them up to speed as well. So what, you know, where are we in the process now? You guys, you have funding. Yep. We just found out that we are going to get funded for this through the Advancing Healthier Wisconsin um, Endowment. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're looking forward to moving right ahead starting January 1st. And this is a collaboration. It's not just the Medical College of Wisconsin is doing blah, 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 blah. Right. You have a vast group of people or agencies coming together, right? Yes. Yeah. And that was really important to us. Uh, one thing we were hearing and we were experiencing uh, is the, the siloed approach. All of the, the health systems uh, are, were kind of working separately on the same things. Uh, and they didn't know, one didn't know what the other was doing. Yeah. And we can be, I think, much more effective if we work together, if we share resources as much as possible um, and help help each other out. So that's why we we put this group together. And it's it's not a program just of the medical college. It's really meant these resources are really meant to be for all of the health systems and community health centers and free clinics throughout the city. So you talked about the focus groups and some of the responses, you know, some of the responses about the physicians and how, you know, they need to do better in certain ways of addressing uh, victims and survivors of sex trafficking that come through. Um, some of the other things, I mean, you're dealing with adults. Homelessness, mm-hmm. is that a big thing? 
I think shelter is probably one of the shelter and a place to live. A roof under your head is probably one of the most important issues that needs to be dealt with here. I think if you don't have a home or a roof over your head, then that's going to be priority number one. You're not going to go in to get health services if you don't know where you're going home to. Yeah. Yeah. I guess a lot of people have to deal with that issue, too. Mm -hmm. Um, Coming out of sex trafficking, and it's like, okay, I'm out. Where do I go now? Right. Yeah. So you have these resources that can kind of guide people through the process of getting on their feet. Well, I think I think uh, there are programs in Milwaukee that that focus on that, mm-hmm. that really can do that well, can figure out what the needs are of the individual and help them fill those needs. Uh, and that's not always what a health system does. You know, we we don't we we don't focus on that, but we need to know who where who? those agencies mm-hmm. are so that we can um, guide our patients to those agencies when we identify concerns. So this program has the potential of becoming a model, I yeah. guess. Yeah, and that- that's kind of what we're hoping. I think we're starting small, thinking big. So we want to make this work so that other institutions, healthcare systems, cities can do the same thing or model the same program. So you're taking the healthcare system out of that little, you know, kind of that little office or whatever. You're broadening things. Right. And that's that's the purpose, I guess. Yeah. It's building uh, relationships with with the community. I think that's, that's a big yeah. part of this. Yeah. You know, we talked on the phone. Um, earlier, you were talking about pos- potential grant funding for survivors. That's one thing that that this funding will do. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the the issues with uh, healthcare is that survivors or the people that the healthcare impacts, they haven't mm-hmm. really had a say or a voice in uh, protocols or policies that affect them. And we want to make sure that they they have that power uh, in in the process. So, uh, but they they need. They have needs that really need to be met, so we need to be able to compensate them for their expertise. And so that's one thing that that this funding will help us do. There's one thing to deal with children, but when you are dealing with adults, you have a vast number of issues that come along with that because some of these these adults have children. Yeah. Right. So that that expands the needs, I guess. Right. So how do you maneuver all of that? It's just what knowing the resources, where to go, who to call, and the questions to and ask. The questions to ask, right? Yeah. Right. Are you excited about this project? Yeah, yeah. We, we've been looking to do this for a long time, so we're very excited. What makes it different than the other project, the other projects that you've been involved with? I think um, the planning that has gone into it. They're just really trying to identify what what the problems are Mm -hmm. and then work together with other health systems to figure out um, how we're going to respond to those problems and those barriers. The collaboration, I think, is something that uh, is really unique about this project. And the scope of it, too. I think we're we're really reaching out in Milwaukee across systems um, to get as many healthcare providers and healthcare systems involved. So it's much broader than what we've done before. Yeah. Was this a hard sell to get these folks on board? I think one thing that we learned through this project is, you know, 
uh, start lower. Like, I mean, we, we want to get the buy-in from healthcare administration. And what we found is that um, engaging the people who are actually doing the work mm -hmm. can lead to the upper administration to get the help. So if you can start with the people who are seeing it, doing it, and get their buy-in, you can eventually work up to get the health systems fully engaged in this. That's smart. Yeah, and yeah, that learned be, it. Yeah, yeah, and that that will be part of what we do is is really trying to even within health systems really mm -hmm. connecting the people who are actually the front line doing mm -hmm. the work and understand the problems with the people who have the the leadership um, skills mm -hmm. and the ability to really promote changes. Yeah. Right, and also getting the survivors to talk to yeah. those higher level people as well is really important. Right. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of projects and plans and ideas where it starts up here and it gets stuck right along here mm -hmm. and doesn't really go all filtered down mm -hmm. to the, the workhorses, mm -hmm. so to speak. So going the way you're doing it makes total sense to me. Yeah. And getting that buy-in, that's huge. Well, we are front line people. Yeah. We're so, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's, we, we started with people that we know with our colleagues. Yeah. What is your vision for this? I mean, you know, you're starting here. It's, it's about to balloon. Mm -hmm. And what, do you, what are your hopes? Well, our hopes is that we can build with this project over the next three years that mm -hmm. will really build a foundation uh, you know, we talked about we're we're going to develop some education. We're going to uh, improve community uh, relationships between medical and community agencies. Uh, we're also going to create some standards of care. It was something that healthcare providers really wanted. Like, if you're going to create a protocol for your organization, what should be included in that? Uh, we'll we'll kind of build those standards mm -hmm. uh, as a group. So we can all kind of agree on what should be included. Um, and then we'll have a good resource base that'll be updated to so that any healthcare provider or anybody seeking services will be able to call and we'll have up-to-date resources where they can go for whatever their needs are, housing, Medicaid, medical, yeah. substance abuse, whatever they need. And then we'll kind of, we'll start uh, implementing all of those things towards the end of this project in uh, areas where there are a lot of survivors and victims yeah. located, so mm. really high-risk areas. Yeah. yeah, And that will be the start. Uh, once we get an understanding of really how to do that, then the hope is that that can be expanded to other areas as well. You know, I would think one of the most frustrate, frustrating things for a physician would be to have a patient come in and tell them all these things that they're mm -hmm. dealing with, besides the medical, all these other things that cause tons of stress, which affect the medical, mm -hmm. and not know what yeah. to do about it right. or how to help them. Actually, a couple years ago, uh, Dr. Reb and I were part of a, a presentation that we did for the medical college. Mm -hmm. And the first question that we got was, so I have this person in my office. Now what? <laughs> like, give me a number. Give me the resources I need in a busy practice to handle that. Right. And so this is one of our incentives. This is one of the things that got us going. 
Right. Because medical providers don't even want to ask the questions if they don't know what to do with the answers. Right. They don't know where to send the patient. They don't know what to do. You know, don't, don't black up my practice. Give me the, what I need to help this patient. One number. (laughs) (laughs) That's the goal. That's the goal. (laughs) So you're about to accomplish that. We're working towards it. Yeah, we're working. (laughs) So when will this project launch? January. It's right around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. So where are you in the process now? We are in the process of, so we've, we've done the background work. We've formed the group. Uh, we have done the, the planning. The, the, we developed a charter. So we have a vision, mission, and a strategic plan. Mm-hmm. And then in January, uh, that's when we really launch the action, the actually doing the plan. Right. Yeah. Right. So this community will really benefit from that. You see the need. Yeah. Definitely, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So are people coming to you and hurry up? Hurry up. We need it. There is yeah, there mm-hmm. is some <laughs> and there there are people at, you know in health systems that are kind of jumping the gun and we're trying to identify who they are yeah. so we can try to all get together and do it together or at least be aware of what's happening in other systems but yeah, there's a lot of uh interest in moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, it makes sense. A lot of people are excited about it. When you guys came up with it, started working on it, did you experience any pushback? No, I don't think we experienced pushback. We just wanted to make sure we were getting Mm buy-in. Yeah. No, at least not from from our colleagues, not from the the people who are are in it and seeing the patients. There's really no question that the, this is needed mm-hmm. and, and important. And there was really a lot of interest from community agencies, too, because they get frustrated uh, when they they send someone to a healthcare center and maybe the experience isn't great, and they so they don't know where to send their clients. Right. And that's one thing that we'll, we're trying to improve as well, if we can really get some areas up and running that are really doing a good job um, then that would be a great referral site yeah. for, for community agencies. So there was a lot of interest there. I think there's there is going to be pushback. Uh, I'm anticipating uh, because there always is, and mm-hmm. there's limited resources within health systems, um, leadership in health systems. They have to make a lot of decisions. They have to allocate resources to areas where it's most needed, and so helping them understand that this is an important area that deserves attention, uh, I think will be one of the things that we really have to work on. Are you uh, concerned about growth? About growing too much? (laughs) Well, I think we'd like to eventually like be, uh, have others be able to replicate this or give them the guidelines and the Mm -hmm. tools so that, you know, we don't see ourselves, I think, going out there and replicating this other places, but we want other people to be able to use what we develop to do it on their own in their communities. So they have to be kind of broad resources that can be changed to fit the needs of different systems. It must be rewarding to you personally, to know that you are kind of changing the dynamic within the community. Do you feel that or do you recognize what you're doing? I kind of feel like we're just so busy. We're yeah. just doing it. 
Yeah. I think we're just looking <laughs> at what our our goals are ahead and how we're going to get there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of work. There's a lot of work ahead of us. Yeah. Absolutely. But man, is it going to be worth it? Yeah. I hope, you hope so. I hope so. I think it will. Yeah. Hope it I changes it, the Milwaukee image of all the negative that yeah. we've heard about this issue in Milwaukee. Yeah, that is, I think, really important because I, I, one thing that I have learned through these projects uh, is that there are amazing people in Milwaukee that are yeah. that really care and are really working hard and giving themselves to make things better. Mm-hmm. And not everyone sees that or pays attention to yeah. it, but that's one thing that keeps me going really. That's the thing is working with people that are so inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you guys are inspiring. What you do, what you're about to do, what you're embarking on, it's great. And it always encourages me when people like you come up with ideas to better the community and get people to work collaboratively, which is so important. Mm -hmm. Get them out of the silos. Get everybody talking. Everybody on the yeah. same page. Right. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for joining me. Dr. Ehrman, Dr. Rabbit, it's a pleasure. So you said it launches in January. You know, we'll have to do another one and find out how things are going. You <laughs> <laughs> can do that. Yeah. You can do that? Okay, yeah. sounds good. Thank you very much, ladies. And thank you for joining us for another edition of the 411 Live. Real people, real talk. I'm Beverly Taylor. Also, I want to remind you again, we're a nonprofit organization, so we need your help. So if you are so inclined to help us financially, please go to our website, the411live.org. You can see how you can help. You can also leave comments and questions. We appreciate that as well. So remember... The 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk. And if you missed any of the previous uh, podcasts besides going to our email, you can also go to, we have lots of new uh, places to go. I want to introduce the iHeart Radio podcast. You can find us there now. And of course, you can also go to our YouTube channel, Facebook, Twitter. We're there. And we appreciate you. So thank you again for joining us. And please join us again next time.